Peace to you. Welcome back to The Naked Truth, and thank you for joining me. Let's pick up where we left off in the Old Testament book of Second Chronicles, and we've made it to chapter 17. It's a short one if you want to read along with me. Let's begin with verse 1. Then Jehoshaphat, his son, reigned in his place and strengthened himself against Israel. So the people we're talking about are Jehoshaphat, that's the new king of Judah. His uh, person who he succeeded is his father, that's Aja, the king who just passed away, as we read it at the end of a previous chapter. And the area, kingdom, is Judah. It's the same area that Jerusalem in modern times is in. And the um, one he strengthened himself against is his brother, the kingdom of Israel. Verse 2, and he placed troops in all the fortified cities of Judah and set garrisons in the land of Judah and in the cities of Ephraim, which Aja, his father, had taken. So as always, please forgive me if I mispronounce any of these. It's talking about where he placed the different troops and uh, administration of his new administration as king um, in the different cities and areas. Verse 3, now the Lord was in with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the former ways of his father David. He did not seek the Baals. So the narrator here, I don't know who it is who wrote the book of Second Chronicles. It's not like the book of John where it has a name. Um, but whoever it is, narrator or scribe, is letting us know that they consider Jehoshaphat one of the good ones. He um, is giving him a good review. or They are giving him a good review. <clears throat> excuse me, as king and comparing him to some of the other kings considered good kings, even King David, um, one of the, you know, major patriarchs in the Bible. Um, and it's saying he did not see the Baals. Uh, the Baals are plural. It's the plural of, uh, it means masters. It's basically other religions, other entities, other deities that are that the people seek and worship uh, from this time, um, at least through to Jesus' time, probably beyond, even into modern times would be my guess. Um, um, so the people just, you know, get that, and but he didn't. So the narrator here is letting us know in that way he did well. Verse 4, but he sought, but sought the God of his father, and walked in his commandments and not according to the acts of Israel. So um, one of the things that the people kept doing is uh, not is that other religions, what we call other religions, but what the Bible calls a great sin, basically, idolatry and worshiping other um, gods. <clears throat> Excuse me, one of the things to notice about verse 4 is when it mentions God, it is capitalized, so it's letting us know it's talking about um, in reference to God Almighty, not lowercase g God, when it's referring to so many other entities that the people do worship. Um, but there's a little note next to it saying that in the Septuagint, uh, it reads Lord God. So it attaches uh, the Lord word Lord in all caps which usually refers again to Jehovah or Jehovah, however you want to pronounce it, however it's properly pronounced. Um, whereas 
And this version, the New King, New King James version, which I'm reading, it is not. Um, and I guess that's noteworthy for some reason. Maybe someone with a wider breadth of knowledge would understand. Uh, for me, it boils down to, as a Christian, the red letters. None of this is red letters. Jesus and the Gospels, as far as I know, never referred to God Almighty by the word or name Jehovah or Jehovah at all, uh, but does refer to God by Lord, by God, and by Father um, in English. Um, so what words they are in Hebrew or Aramaic, which is the name of a language that Jesus most likely spoke, at least according to historians, I don't know how to actually pronounce that. And so, you know, I'm just pronouncing it the best I can. Verse 4, but sought the God of his father and walked in his commandments and not according to the acts of Israel. So the narrator here is letting us know that he was faithful in that sense by not um, falling into idolatry, but instead seeking the same entity um, that the forefathers did, Jehovah in plain English. Um, verse 5, therefore, the Lord established the king of this kingdom in his hand. And all Judah gave presents to Jehoshaphat, and he had riches and honor and abundance. So the narrator is summing up Jehoshaphat's tenure as king as an abundant one and a prosperous one. And it seems like the people like him. Verse 6, and his heart took delight in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, he removed the high places and wooden images from Judah. So... Uh, not only was he uh, loved by the people, one of the things he did was what we've seen them do again and again when new administrations take seat. They remove the images, the phallic symbols, the, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the uh, other religion, the symbols of the other religions that the people may be involved in. They tear them down, they burn them up, they crush them, they grind them, they get rid of them. Um, but they always seem to arise again as soon as another administration comes along. Verse 7, also, in the third year of his reign, he sent his leaders, Ben-Hail, Obadiah, Zechariah, Nethanel, and Micaiah, to teach in the cities of Judah. So he is busy in that sense. He's sending out teachers. What is he having them teach? Verse 8, and with them he sent Levites, Shemaiah, Nethaniah, Zebediah, Asahel, Shemiramoth, Jehonathan, Adoniah, Tobiah, and Tobodaniah, the Levites, and with them Elisha and Jehoram, the priests. So that's what he's teaching them. He's sending out teachers and religious teachers, priests, and Levites with them. Presumably to teach the people to try to walk the uh, straight and narrow. Verse 9. So they taught in Judah and had the book of the law of the Lord with them. They went throughout all the cities of Judah and taught the people. So when it's saying they had the book of the law of the Lord with them, I'm not sure what it's referring to. Since um, originally the only things given to Moses were the two tablets of stone um, with the Ten Commandments. So, um, presumably, the book of the law are all the other different 
statutes, ordinances, and AKA dogma that have become set up as religion for the people to use as their uh, instruction. That's what else could it be in my mind? What else could it be? Um, but they are teaching it. They're, they're sharing the religion with the people, teaching them to abide by it. Now remember the leaders are generally uh, thought of as exempt from the same rules and laws that they're teaching the people to be subject to, excuse me. Verse 10, and the fear of the Lord fell on all the kingdoms of the lands that were around Judah, so that they did not make war against Jehoshaphat. So the narrator here is saying that God uh, moved on the people around them, the surrounding nations, countries, to keep them from fighting with Jehoshaphat during his time as king. That's pretty nice. Verse 11. Also, some of the Philistines brought Jehoshaphat presents and silver as tri tribute, and the Arabians brought the flocks, 7,700 rams and 7,700 male goats. So not only has he a hedge of protection in God, protecting the country from wars breaking out while he's king, he also has his neighboring countries and areas, people, bring him tribute. That's what that is, bringing him gifts as king of livestock and precious metals. Verse 12, so Jehoshaphat became increasingly powerful and he built fortresses and storage cities in Judah. So Jehoshaphat's doing all right as king. He's increasing his kingdom, his power, and his resources. Verse 13, he had much, much property in the cities of Judah, and the men of war, mighty men of valor, were in Jerusalem. So he's wealthy, fat, and happy, and he's got his army around him protecting him. Verse 14, and God with a hedge around him protecting him according to the narrator. Verse 14, these are their numbers according to their father's houses. Of Judah, the captains of thousands, Adna the captain, and with him 300,000 mighty men of valor. Uh, so it looks like we're going to go into lists of names and armies. So we're going to read them off, and if any of the names stand out to me, I'll stop and go into them. Um, so um, that's what it seems to be doing. It's naming off his army, his soldiers, his so-called mighty men of valor. Um, verse 15, and next to him was Jehohanan, the captain, and with him, 280,000. And next to him was Messiah, the son of Zikri, who willingly offered himself to the Lord. And with him, 200,000 mighty men of valor. I'm not sure what that means, that he willingly offered himself to the Lord. Uh, did he kill himself or let himself die in battle while other people got away? Or I don't know. Or is he's the fact that he's serving as in, in the service as a soldier? Is that him willingly offering himself? I don't know. It doesn't really say. Verse 17 of Benjamin, Iliada, a mighty man of valor, and with him 200,000 men armed with bow and shield. Next to him was Jehoshaphat, with him 180,000 prepared for war. 
These serve the king besides those the king put in the fortified cities throughout all Judah. So those are some of the soldiers that he had, um, but not only them. He had others throughout the land that in his service, his military, his police force, it sounds like, basically, um, during his administration. That's the last verse. That's where we'll end this reading. As always, thank you for joining me for The Naked Truth. Love you for it. Hope I'll see you again. See you next time. Peace be with you.